This next one is talking about the Big Cat Public Safety Act, but it's talking about the rules in 2018. This next diary post is talking about the Big Cat and Public Safety Protection Act. And this was the 2018 version of the bill. So I didn't want anybody listening to it now to confuse it to the 2021 version of the bill. But this was where we were in 2018 when we were trying to give the bill a lot more teeth so that it would do a lot more to protect big cats. We just found that getting it passed with all of these provisions was pretty much impossible. And so we had to limit it to just banning cub petting and phasing out private possession, which is what we have in our current bill. But this was our thinking at the time and our reasoning for it. And this was from a letter that Howard had sent to some of our donors who were very politically active in helping us on this. So I'm not going to mention their names because I haven't asked them if that would be okay but I will read the, the letter from Howard because it really details well what we were trying to do. April 18th, 2016. Proposed Florida exotic animal modeled after federal bill. So this we were trying to work on a state bill as well as a federal bill. Key provisions and the reasons for them. The current Florida law. After the Florida Supreme Court ruled years ago that the constitutional amendment did not give the predecessor to the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, the FWC, power to regulate captive exotic animals, the legislature passed what is now renumbered as Florida Statutes 379, granting FWC that power. 379.3762 reads, Personal Possession of Wildlife 1. It is unlawful for any person or persons to possess any wildlife as defined in this act, whether native to Florida or not, until she or he has obtained a permit as provided by this section from the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. 2. The classifications of types of wildlife and fees to be paid for permits for the personal possession of wildlife should be as follows. A. Class 1. Wildlife which, because of its nature, habits, or status, shall not be possessed as personal pet. B. Class 2. Wildlife considered to present a real or potential threat to human safety. Class 2. Wildlife considered to be a present or real or potential threat to human safety, the sum of $140 per annum. Class 3. All other wildlife not included in Class 1 or Class 2, for which a no-cost permit must be obtained from the Commission. 3. Any person, firm, corporation, or association exhibiting or selling wildlife and being duly permitted as provided by 379.304 shall be exempt from the fee requirement to receive a permit under this section. Number 4. This section shall not apply to the possession control care and maintenance of ostriches, emus, rayas, and bison domesticated and confined for commercial farming purposes, except those kept and maintained on hunting preserves or game farms, or primarily for exhibition purposes in zoos, carnivals, circuses, and other such establishments where such species are kept primarily for display to the public. 5. A person who violates this section is punishable as provided in Section 379.4015. History. So in Florida, theory, theoretically, you cannot own a big cat as a pet. You supposedly must exhibit in order to have a license from the Florida Wildlife Commission to own the cat. 
but there are no regulations defining criteria for what constitutes exhibiting, like rules about minimum number of visitors or minimum amount of revenue to be an exhibitor. Under federal law, you were supposed to have a license from USDA to exhibit. One might presume then that you do not that if you do not have a USDA license or you use your or you lose your USDA license, you would become a pet owner under Florida law. There was one case we know of where a person lost their USDA license, and we complained to the FWC that since the person could not legally exhibit, they were a pet owner in violation of Florida law. Florida Wildlife Commission said they do not enforce federal law, so whether the person was in violation of federal law was not relevant. And if they said they were an exhibitor, they qualify as an exhibitor. So, in practice, the supposed ban on having a big cat as a pet is meaningless because there is no definition of exhibit, and apparently all an owner has to do is say they exhibit. Other states. Laws in other states are generally lumped into three categories. Bans, or partial ban. Regulations, licenses or permits required and rules licensees must follow, and no laws. The chart below shows how states fit into these categories. In brief, more than half the states have some form of ban. Four or five have no laws, and the rest allow ownership based on a permit and following regulations. For more detail on state laws, see bigcatrescue.org forward slash state laws exotic cats. Florida is frequently listed as a ban or partial ban due to the prohibition against having class 1 animals as pets, but as noticed above, Florida is really a permit and regulation state because the ban makes no no effort to enforce the ban against having the animals as pets. The trend in state law has been toward enacting bans and more complete bans. That is what's encouraging. While that is encouraging, most state bans have exemptions that create gaping loopholes. The exemptions vary from state to state. Some exemptions are logical, like exempting zoos accredited by the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. There are the larger zoos, frequently publicly funded, who are financially stable and must meet regular, generally high standard and must meet generally high standards of animal care. They are also politically powerful, and any animal-related bill that is opposed by the AZA has a very difficult path. The issue of exemptions is critical to our Florida bill because there are two exemptions that can render the bill almost meaningless. One is a USDA exemption. Unfortunately, most state laws exempt individuals who hold a USDA exhibitor license. USDA regulations are so weak, they allow conditions that most people would view as inhumane. USDA enforcement of the rules they do have is largely ineffective. And then it links to a very long URL on our website called Why Regulations Don't Work. Lastly, individuals who want to have big cats as pets can easily obtain a USDA license. The application is one page. The fee is $40 to $300 or so, depending on how many animals you own. And an audit by the USDA of the Office of Inspector General found that 70% of the people with USDA licenses who had four or less big cats were simply pet owners using the USDA license to avoid the state ban on owning big cats. The bad guys will argue for a USDA exemption to our bill. And number two would be a ZAA exemption. There is an organization whose name is intentionally similar to AZA called ZAA. This is an organization that has 50 or so members, mostly 
whom would be considered to be roadside zoos, who among them have a long history of USDA violations. However, they have been very clever. The general public thinks of Mutual of Omaha's Jim Fowler and Columbus Zoo's Jack Hanna as animal lovers. In fact, both have made their careers taking ambassador animals onto late-night TV shows, sending the wrong message about exotics. Unfortunately, both have associated themselves with ZAA, a fact that not a fact that says a lot about how much or little they really care about animal welfare. ZAA has managed to get a few of the AZA zoos to join. ZAA points to these members to further build credibility. Why does an AZA zoo join an accreditation of roadside zoos with lower standards? We are told this gives these zoos leverage if AZA leans on them too hard about the rules. The implicit threat to AZA is that if ACA leans on them too hard, the zoo can give up the AZA accreditation, tout their ZAA accreditation, and the public won't know the difference. Finally, ZAA hired Alan Smith as executive director. Smith is a smooth, articulate, longtime lobbyist for anti-animal legislation, who is a good speaker who makes this sow's ear sound like a silk purse. Jack Hanna is close to Governor Gasich. Until 2012, Ohio was one of the few states with no exotic animal laws at all and was notorious for having many, many exotic animals living in deplorable conditions. For years, Hannah declined to support efforts to pass laws regulating exotic animal ownership and most likely fought against such laws behind the scenes. In early 2011, Governor Strickland, who preceded Kasich, signed an executive order banning big cats as pets and requiring registration of the animals. Kasich let the order expire, much to the consternation of the animal welfare community who had spent years working with Strickland to implement the orders. Then, after the Zanesville massacre, where an owner named Terry Thompson let out 56 dangerous animals, mostly big cats, and killed himself, Kasich and Hannah positioned themselves as the White Knights by being, becoming the faces behind the passage of an Ohio law banning private ownership and requiring registration and certain minimum standards. However, certainly at Hannah's urging, the bill exempted not only AZA, but ZAA. This became the springboard for ZAA to insert itself into a handful of other state laws as exempt. The more they succeeded in getting listed as an exemption along with AZA, the more credibility they have. They argue that AZA is a club for the big wealthy zoos, and they are the little guys AZA, playing the almost sacrosanct small business, co small business jobs card. HSUS has published excellent documents showing how much more lax ZAA standards are than AZA and their many USDA violations, but this has not been very effective with lawmakers. The reason for writing this level of detail is that it's currently an issue with our federal bill. The bill was drafted with the normal AZA exemption. ZAA has lobbied the House subcommittee that the bill must go to and sent them a letter I am sending along with this memo. 
The subcommittee chairman has not insisted on including ZAA, but has indicated that he's not inclined toward a bill that names one organization but not the other. He suggested he is open to some alternative. We have spent considerable energy crafting an alternative. It is best described as a qualified USDA exemption. Basically, it exempts those who have a USDA license, provided, and then contains a list of requirements. A number of these requirements, in effect, define the bad actors. So this qualified USDA exemption is the language we would propose for the Florida law, not the AZA exemption currently in the federal bill. Florida bill provisions. As we discussed, the federal bill amends the Lacey Act and is crafted to fit into that existing law. A Florida bill would have to be crafted to fit into an existing Florida law, presumably in Chapter 379, unless, I'm not going to name this person, and their staff conclude otherwise. The substance of what the federal bill seeks to do is as follows. Make it unlawful for any person to import, export, transport, sell, receive, acquire, or purchase, or to breed or possess any big cat. The breeding and possession are the guts of the bill. The others help significantly with enforcement. For instance, take selling. Someone who's caught selling a tiger cub could claim there is no proof that they bred it and no proof that they ever possessed it. What is a big cat? The Lacey Act, as amended by the Captive Wildlife Safety Act of 2003, defines prohibited species as lion, tiger, leopard, cheetah, jaguar, or cougar, or any hybrid of such species. So we start with this very strong prohibition. Then the issue is, who is exempt from the prohibition? Some exemptions in the federal bill are very purposeful. Others we would prefer not to include, but are included to limit opposition to the bill. Grandfathering existing owners. We need to grandfather in existing owners. There's no place to put the animals if they were to be taken away from their owners, and taking them away would result in the owners having a heartstrings argument that we are taking away their beloved animals. The way the federal bill grandfathers is to say the current owners can keep their animals as long as they, one, register the animals, and two, do not breed, acquire, or sell big cats or allow public contact. They can keep their cats, but just not acquire any more and not allow cub petting we view as so abusive. The registration serves two purposes. It allows first responders to know where the cats are, and it provides a means of tracking whether the owners are following the law, i.e. not breeding or acquiring more. Here is the language from the federal bill. Is in possession of a prohibited wildlife species that, one, was born before the date of the enactment of this subparagraph, and two, not later than 180 days after the date of enactment of this subparagraph, is registered with the Animal and Plant Health inspection service, provided that such person does not breed, acquire, or sell any prohibited wildlife species after that date of enactment of this subparagraph, and provided that such person does not allow direct contact between the public and prohibited wildlife species, or sanctuaries. True sanctuaries would have true sanctuaries would still have a legitimate purpose in acquiring big cats that they rescue. The challenge here is to find sanctuary in a way that avoids this becoming a huge loophole destroying the bill by having the roadside zoos simply call themselves sanctuaries. We spend a lot of time coming up with the following definition in the federal bill. 
which defines a sanctuary as a 501c3 nonprofit that does not buy, sell, breed, take animals off-site for display, or allow public contact with the animals, is a wildlife sanctuary that cares for prohibited wildlife species and, one, is a corporation that is exempt from taxation under 501a of Title 26 and described in Sections 501c3 and 170b1a6 of such title. Two, does not commercially trade in prohibited wildlife species, including offspring, parts, and byproducts of such animals. Three, does not propagate prohibited wildlife species. Four, does not allow direct contact between the public and prohibited wildlife species. And five, does not allow the transportation and display of prohibited wildlife species off-site. Circus. We do not believe that tigers should be in the circus. However, there are two issues here. One is that Kenneth Feld of Ringling is politically influential. He has lobbied against the federal bill. The other is that many legislators do not get that the circus is bad. So, while we would prefer not to have the circus be exempt, we included an exemption so that, one, we could satisfy those legislators who would not agree with ending tigers in the circus, and two, we could point out that wrangling is not affected despite what their lobbyists say, and their opposition is simply a slippery slope attitude against any legislation, even if it does not affect them, for fear that it might lead to other legislation that would affect them. This truth has been effective in overcoming Ringling's lobbying with some legislators. The definition of sanctuary is critical that a sanction the definition of sanctuary it is critical that a circus exemption be crafted in a way that it does not become a gaping loophole. We worked hard to come up with the following language in the federal bill. Holds a valid sea license under the Animal Welfare Act as amended, and that one regularly travels across state lines to conduct circus performances featuring live prohibited wildlife species, clowns, and aerial acts, and also conducted such activity before January 1st of 2015, and two, does not allow direct contact between the public and prohibited wildlife species. The clowns, and particularly aerial acts, are the key to this. The small traveling tiger exhibits would not have these. They could add a clown, which is why the bill requires that they have clowns prior to a certain date, but it would be impractical, impractical for most to add an aerial act. The major circuses, like Ringling, would meet the definition easily. College mascots and veterinarians. We do not think educational institutions that have a big cat species as their mascot should have live animals. However, some, like LSU, do. At the federal level, in order to avoid having all of the alumni of these schools opposing the bill, we crafted the following exemption. This may not be an issue in Florida. Is a st- and it's the uh, exemption says, is a state college, university, or agency, or state-licensed veterinarian, ACA. As discussed above, while we would prefer that zoos not have big cats, ACA is a powerful lobbying force both at the federal and state levels, and their rules require far higher standards of care than USDA rules. There are 17 ACA-accredited facilities in Florida, Rivard Zoo, Bush Gardens, Tampa Bay, Central Florida Zoo and Botanical Gardens, Discovery Cove, Disney Animal Kingdom, Jacksonville Zoo and Gardens, Lion Country Safari, 
Moat Marine Laboratory and Aquarium, Naples Zoo, Palm Beach Zoo, Santa Fe College Teaching Zoo, SeaWorld Orlando, St. Augustine Alligator Farm, Tampa's Lowry Park Zoo, the Florida Aquarium, the Seas, and Zoo Miami. So we feel we have to provide an exemption, but as discussed above, in order to avoid the issue of ZAA lobbying for an exemption as well, we have crafted the qualified USDA language being set, sent in a separate document along for the explanation of its provisions. Basically, the qualified USDA exemption language in the federal bill exempts owners with a USDA license provided that they have not been convicted of an animal-related offense nor employ anyone who has, have not had a USDA license suspended or revoked or an employee or employ anyone who has, and must at least report any ongoing investigations. This would stop what we see so often, someone who is so bad they lose their license and then just continue to operate under someone else's license, have not had any repeat serious USDA violations for the past 12 months, i.e. items that they were cited for and either failed to remedy or committed again despite the citation. Most of the bad guys end up with repeat citations. ACA zoos do not. It is impractical to require getting no citations. An alternative that we considered was to require no more than some number of citations, but the notion of repeat was chosen because anyone arguing to remove this requirement basically has to argue that people who have been cited for bad behavior and blatantly continue to break the rules should be exempt. That's a tough argument to make. Not allow public contact with the animals, which would stop the cub petting and keep animals that are not in an enclosure at least 15 feet away from the public, which would end the cub photo ops. This is critical because it takes away much of the incentive to breed. This is the most important provision for us to defend. Maintain liability insurance of at least $250,000. This we could give up. We note that the Florida Wildlife Commission does require a $10,000 bond. Shall have a written emergency plan. Also could give up, but hard to imagine anyone opposing it. FWC already requires licensees to have a written disaster plan that is available on request. ACA has reviewed the federal language and informally signed off on it. In order to avoid an issue, we should try to track the federal language exactly in our Florida bill if we can. Note that the ACA, having reviewed the language, does not prevent any of the 17 Florida ACA facilities from having a different view and opposing the Florida bill, but we believe that they would all easily meet the requirements for this exemption. And keep in mind that falling out of the exemption does not mean they shut down or that their animals are taken. They are grandfathered in. They simply could not breed or acquire animals. In the case of the repeat violations, note the provision that they have had a repeat violation within the last year. If then they do not have any other repeat violations for a year, they would be back in compliance of the exemption. That provision does two things. It makes it hard to argue that this requirement is unreasonable, and we believe it would provide a significant incentive to behave in a way that avoids repeat citations, an incentive that does not exist under the current enforcement scheme. Sent with this memo are the federal bill, as it would amend the Lacey Act, qualified USDA exemption alternative to the AZA exemption, draft alternative to AZA exemption. The language attached is a proposal for 
a qualified USDA exemption to replace the AZA exemption in H.R. 3546. The value of the AZA exemption was that the AZA has the highest standards for animal cares, and exempting only facilities accredited by AZA would have would not have exempted the horrible roadside zoos that hold USDA licenses and are able to join other alleged accrediting organizations. An unqualified USDA exemption, which is supported by roadside zoos and their organizations, would emasculate the bill because enforcement of regulations by USDA simply does not work. Violators are cited over and over for many years before any action is taken. After years, and sometimes hundreds of citations, only a few are taken to court. When they are, because of the impracticality of taking very many cases to trial, USDA most often settles for modest fines. Only a handful of the worst actors actually lose their USDA license, and those that do often end up simply continuing to operate under someone else's license. The proposed language addresses this by requiring that if USDA licensees want to breed or acquire more big cats, they must meet minimal basic requirements that include not being or employing individuals with a history of animal mistreatment or repeated failure to follow USDA regulations, not allowing the most abusive and dangerous behaviors like allowing the public to be in contact or close proximity with dangerous species, and have at least minimal liability insurance and a written plan for dealing with dangerous animal escape available on request. The language attached contains the substance of the proposed change, which we would redraft into the format of an amendment to the current bill. If you enjoy these video blogs of my diary, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you.